and welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. I would like to welcome Jen from Teach Love Autism onto the podcast. Of course, you guys knew I was going to bring her in for this series because I think she knows so much about so many things. So welcome, Jen. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, and so one of the things that Jen and I wanted to talk about was reading, and specifically, we're going to talk about comprehension. I know when I was in the classroom, I often found that my students could decode at a much higher level than what they could comprehend at. So I might have a child able to read a third grade level text, but they could only comprehend a kindergarten level text. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that when you're pulling in comprehension, it's pulling in skills like story structure, you have to make inferences. A lot of times you tie your prior knowledge in and those are really abstract things for my students. Jen, did you find similar struggles with comprehension in your students? Uh, absolutely. And I think that sometimes we forget or, or sometimes we need to be reminded that students with autism have difficulty processing large amounts of information. I mean, you can see that happening when you give a direction, not just when you're doing some kind of a reading activity. Uh, when we're giving them large amounts of information, it, it can be hard for them to kind of take all of that information in. And then after that, even to recall some of that information can be difficult. I've seen students in my classroom who can listen to a sentence I say, but only maybe can recall or repeat back the last word that they heard, which cannot always be, sometimes it is, but typically isn't always the answer that we're looking for if we ask like a comprehension question. Absolutely. And so that's pretty much the groundwork of today's podcast. So we won't be diving into working on basic literacy skills or decoding. We're really going to be tackling that comprehension component. So we're going to lay out some supports and strategies that you can use with your students. And I definitely was not using these strategies in the beginning. And that really impacted my students' ability to participate in reading lessons. So one of the biggest things that I did, and I think it's a common one that's done, is I used visuals for answer choices, as well as writing out the question. So if I was just sitting in a reading group and we had read that Adam gets a dog and I asked my student, what pet did Adam get? If I just asked him that, I was probably not going to get a response. If I wrote out the question, what pet did Adam get? I was more likely to get a response. But if I gave him visuals to answer with, then I was much more likely to get a response. And I know, Jen, you have a couple of other strategies that you can use as well. Absolutely. And a lot of the strategies I used, I kind of paired some of the things that you just talked about. So we would use things such as just having multiple choice answers instead of open-ended questions. So giving students the opportunity to pick from a couple choices and not just saying, hey, what did the boy do in the story and expecting an answer to be recalled very quickly. I would also provide students with verbal prompts. Uh, so if say I was asking a who question and the answer or the question might have been, you know, who is in the story and I wanted the answer to be boy, I might start by saying the initial sound to that word, which would technically be considered a form of verbal prompting. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously that's something you would want to make sure you're taking note of as you're doing it with the student, because technically then they're not doing it independently, but that's a way to prompt them to help them get to that right answer. Absolutely. And then one other thing I wanted to tie in is 
this is a great way to embed any AAC devices that you're using in your classroom because you can have your students use their AAC device to answer these comprehension questions as well. I know sometimes when we have students with AAC devices, we get a little stuck with only using them during a morning calendar routine right. or during a preferred activity, but you can have it out during your reading lesson and they can be answering that way as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it can be stressful for teachers, myself included. I've had many students with AAC devices in my classroom, and I've seen the struggle of making sure everything's in the device that you need yeah. for maybe that lesson. And that can be challenging, but I mean, you can go for simplified answers of things that maybe already are in that device and make sure you ask those students that question. I would typically try ahead of time to make sure I knew what questions I would ask those students and then go to my other students for some different types of questions so they That's could still participate. That's an awesome strategy. If you're just doing some of that pre-planning can make it run right. much smoother. Okay, so before we talk about the next part, I want to let you all know that Jen has a wonderful line called Reading Visually, and she has a free copy that I've linked in the show notes. I want you guys to go in and download that because what we're going to talk about in this next part of the podcast, she does a really good job at showcasing what that looks like in the product. But we're going to talk about some of the strategies that we can use. So we know that we should use visuals, but chances are if you have five kids sitting around the table, you can't give all five of them the same exact visual setup and have it work. You might have to do more differentiation within that. So Jen, why don't you talk us through kind of like how you approach that product and those different layers of support that you can use. Absolutely. So the product name is Reading Visually Comprehension. And so basically what I did is I took, um, you know, just a simple passage that you might read with your students and provided a lot of the supports and strategies that Nicole and I kind of already talked about, the visuals, the multiple choice questions, um, having, uh, it actually also has a communication board to be able to incorporate those AAC learners. So um, if you are struggling with that, Piece that I was talking about where you, you're struggling to get all the information into the device. There's a communication board that you can use um, in place of it, or you can use it to know what to put into the device. Um, so you're ready for that. But really what I did with this in the foundation part of it was to making sure that there was multiple levels, making sure it was accessible for all the students that I know I have seen in my classroom or in my experience, and how can I make this accessible for all of them? So within this, there is four different levels. Um, there's an errorless version, um, there's a version that typically has the answers almost faded for you. They're there, but the student would almost match the answers. Uh, then there's in the level three, the answers aren't there, but there's multiple choices for you to choose from. And then the last version um, has the answers, but it's only in word form. So trying to really hit a bunch of different types of learners, but you can still use the same product if you want to use it in whole group. If you want to use it, you know, with just one student alone, you can do that. Perfect. So one of the things that I think teachers struggle a little bit with these multi-level products, although they're wonderful, is knowing where to start. And I know even with unique learning systems, people have this struggle. So if you are having a new student come to your reading group and you don't know a lot of their background, how do you know what level to start them off on? Absolutely. Well, I kind of go with the philosophy of you can never go wrong starting a student at the lowest level and working up from there. So, you know, these, this material is designed to be, you know, maybe a 10, 15 minute lesson with a student. So you're not wasting a ton of time 
just starting at the lowest level. So I don't want anyone to think, you know, oh, well, if I put them at the lowest level, how long is it going to take me to figure out they need to move on? You can easily read through probably one of these passages, do a couple worksheets in a 15 minute lesson and know if this is a right place for your student or not. Um, you know, if you're prompting them a lot to answer questions, that probably means you might be in the right place for them. If they're doing it almost independently, you probably know that they need to move on. Uh, it's, it's the same as use that teacher instinct and, you know, figuring out what your students know and can, can do and just kind of watch them and see how they're working. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of just is more on you as the teacher to look at the student and, and see what they're able to do. However, I think, um, you know, it wouldn't take you long to figure that out and it wouldn't be too hard to start at the bottom and work up. Absolutely. You kind of mentioned on this, but we'll expand it. It's also important, like Jen said, to be monitoring your students. So if you start them off at the airless level in September, hopefully they're not still at the airless level in February. They might, right. but it's important that you be watching them and then progressing them. So Jen, I know you have a little bit of criteria that you use when you're looking to move a student to a more difficult level. Absolutely. So, I mean, I always tell them to, you got to look for the IEP goals first and, and see what your students are doing with that. Um, and then when you're seeing consistent results at that level, you might be ready to transition to another. Um, I typically suggest that if you see a student completing an activity and by an activity, especially with this product in mind, I would say whether it's reading the passage or completing a certain type of worksheet, um, I would look for at least three times consecutively being consistent in completing that to a certain degree. So I can't give you an exact number. So I wouldn't ever give you a certain percentage because you know that student best. But if you have a comprehension goal that you have that student working at 80% accuracy, 90% accuracy, or eight out of 10 times they will do it, then that's what I mean by those three times consecutively before you might move on to a more difficult level. That's a really good tip. And absolutely, it might change even from student to student. And that's- Absolutely just knowing each individual one. And then I know at the very end, I know we briefly mentioned this, but we both get questions on how we use unique learning systems. So Jen and I used it a little bit differently. Well, first, Jen works at a secondary level and I worked at an elementary level and she used unique learning systems a lot. I did not use ULS as much as news to you, but we'll briefly talk about both and how we used them. So Jen, I'll let you start. Okay, so just for reference, like Nicole said, I am secondary and you, I used both unique and news to you in my classroom, but I'm going to speak more to unique. Uh, at the secondary level, it's a little different than the elementary. So if anyone's familiar with the elementary, you see things like there is letter recognition, there is some phonics in there, there is some sight words in there, easy readers, and there's a lot more. Um, at the secondary level, you don't quite see, there's no phonics, um, there isn't letter recognition. Um, they do have sight words, they call it more vocabulary than they do sight words. And they have books, but they're actually chapter books. So they're all based on whatever that monthly theme is and there's six different chapters that kind of go together so they tell a big story all together surrounding that theme and then from there uh, and I believe elementary has this as well they do have comprehension questions that are also at some different levels based on what you feel your students would need and I found it easiest um, to do it two ways I did it whole group 
where everybody had, I picked one level that I felt like everybody could get access to, you know, easily. And we read it whole group together as a class. And then we would complete a worksheet um, together as a class. And I would just pick a different one every day to do so that we weren't doing the same thing over and over again. And then the other way I did it was working one-on-one -on -one with students. So when I was working on those IEP goals or progress monitoring, um, we would do this a similar lesson, but just more one-on-one. -on -one. So I could focus in on what that individual needed. Absolutely. And I actually did a similar thing with News to You. One of the nice things about ULS and News to You, and Jen actually does this in her product as well, is it has visuals along with the text on some of the levels. Yes. can help support some of that comprehension. And so for News to You, I had all of my students use that level because I kind of went from the philosophy of I could ask questions that made the lesson a little bit more difficult for students that could handle it, but it was easiest for all of us to use that one level that all of my students could access. And one thing with news to you that I think a lot of people miss is when you go in, you can download, there's the article and the handful of activities that are with it. There's a recipe, there's a quiz, there's some activities. But when you're in that page, you can find a link to supplemental worksheets. And it's, yes. a, I want to say like an 87 page document where there's a ton of additional writing mm -hmm. activities, there's math activities. So that's a great way especially with news to you, since it's nonfiction, I could take whatever we were learning about. Like I clearly remember there being an article about the Super Bowl. And so we were reading about the Super Bowl in our reading group, but then I used those math worksheets during our math lesson to reinforce all the concepts that we were learning. So I think yeah. that's an underutilized tool that they have in there. Yeah, I think it goes, you just miss it because it's not in with the regular um, edition news article that you would get every day. But I pulled worksheets every week from that two to three that we would do in whole group. Mm -hmm. um, and there was like a WH question web in there that was really awesome. There was some sentence completion. They had some geography stuff that was nice. So it would, whatever the topic was, they would figure out a way to have like a map and then you could teach map skills with the students. So I really, if you don't know about those extra activities, you need to go on news to you and find them because they are really nice. Absolutely. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share relating to comprehension or any of these topics? Um, I don't think so. The only thing I want to say is I hope that you guys utilize the download that Nicole's going to stick in there, the, the dinosaurs unit. Um, I think dinosaurs are super fun and I think it works with all age groups. So I highly suggest you check that out. It is a full product. So you're not just getting a piece of it. You're getting an actual glance at what a full piece of um, the product looks like so that you can make a best decision if it would be a good fit for your classroom. All the levels are included, all the passages are included. So I really hope you guys download it. Yes, absolutely. So I'll have that in the show notes. I'll also have this transcript to this podcast in the show notes. I know we threw a lot of strategies at you. So if it's easier for you to download and read through what Jen suggested, that'll be available for you to use as well. well thank you so much for coming on, Jen. I know we could talk forever about every topic, but I think we did a really good job with this one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard, I would greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback. And if you want to hear more, go ahead and give me a follow. While you're at it, come say hi on social media. You can find me at Adaptation Station on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and AdaptationStation.net. It's taco night in my house, so I'm going to go have a delicious dinner and a margarita, and I will talk to you guys again next Friday. <laughs>